Let's all stand together, if you would. Let's turn to page number 50 as we begin this morning. Page number 50. He is worthy of our praise this morning. All three verses. Praise him, praise him. Praise him, praise him. Jesus, our blessed blessing to hear the messages and appreciate brother dean herring uh being here with us they did make it back uh to idaho uh safely and so just uh what a blessing want to rejoice in that uh this morning and sure glad you're here amen and good to be in the lord's house on uh sunday morning did just want to mention a few things uh, <clears throat> uh just by way of announcement as we go to the lord uh, in prayer i uh, did want to mention some things our outreach is next uh saturday uh, October the 21st at 10:30 in the morning, and then also if you have teen uh, teenagers uh, that are uh, planning to go to the youth rally, uh, there is a youth rally at Riverside Baptist Church in St. Joseph, uh, Missouri. Ladies, be aware of the ladies' meeting October the 24th at 7 o'clock, and then also the harvest party October the 27th. And so there's a candy barrel uh, out there. We want to fill uh, that thing up uh, with candy. And so if you could help us out with that, we sure would appreciate uh, that. And then there's also a sign-up sheet out there for the church hayride and cookout in November. And so if you'd like to go to that, uh, we'll give you some more details on that, but make sure you sign up for uh, that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer uh, this morning. And want to ask you if you would pray 
uh, for our missionary uh, in Ecuador, Miss Jenny Carpenter. They are having voting uh, today, and because of the situation there, it is there. There's been a lot of chaos and and things like that. And so, as we go to the Lord in prayer, let's certainly pray for that uh, as well. I'm going to ask Brother David Griffin if you would pray for us this morning. ask you to remain standing and turn to page number eight. Page number eight in your hymn book. We serve a faithful God. Amen. Great is thy faithfulness. We'll sing all three verses this morning. Page number eight.
praise the Lord for his faithfulness. Let's turn to page 444. Page number 444. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Our prayer is, you can all say that before you leave this morning, if you know him as your Savior, amen. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Sing it out on the first. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory.
Page 444, if you lost that page number. We're going to sing that last verse out together. Perfect submission, all is at rest. Sing it out. Perfect submission, all is at rest. I and my Savior am happy and blessed. Watching and waiting, looking above. Filled with His goodness, lost in His love. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. We're going to sing that chorus a cappella. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. We have a lot to praise our God about this morning. Amen. Brother Tim, come right here. Men come for the offering. I'd like to read to you from John chapter 3. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth is not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. For the car, would you pray for the offering this morning? Amen. You may be seated. One last time, turn to page number 233. Page number 233. We've already sang this morning about our God's faithfulness. What about His grace? Amen. Aren't you thankful for the grace of God this morning? Let's sing it out. Wonderful grace of Jesus. Sing it out on the first. Wonderful grace of Jesus, greater than all my sin. How shall my tongue describe it? Where shall its praise be? Taking away my burden, setting my spirit free for the wonderful grace of Jesus reaches me. Wonderful the matchless grace of Jesus. 
deeper than the mighty rolling sea higher than the mountain sparkling like a fountain all sufficient grace for even me broader than the scope of my transgressions greater far than all my sin and shame oh magnify the precious name of jesus praise his name wonderful grace of jesus reaching to all the lost by it i have been pardoned saved to the uttermost chains have been torn asunder giving me liberty and the wonderful grace of jesus reaches me wonderful the matchless grace of jesus deeper than the mighty rolling sea higher than the mountain sparkling like a fountain all sufficient grace for even me broader than the scope of my transgressions greater far than all my sin and shame oh magnify the precious name of jesus praises name wonderful grace of jesus reaching the most defiled by its transforming power making him god's dear child purchasing peace and heaven for all eternity and the wonderful grace of jesus reaches me wonderful the matchless grace of jesus deeper than the mighty rolling sea higher than the mountain sparkling like a fountain all sufficient grace for even me broader than the scope of my transgressions greater far than all my sin and shame oh magnify the precious name of jesus praise his name we're almost there this morning I was telling Brother Tim, I said, I don't know what it is, but as soon as you do the handshaking time, everybody wakes up. I'm thinking we might need to do that like at the beginning next time or something. But I'm telling you, it sounds amazing. You're singing out for the Lord this morning. But that last verse, and forgive me if I've done this before, I don't keep track of how many times I go through these and talk to you about these songs. But that last verse, reaching the most defiled, that's you and me. That, we're not anything special this morning, okay? We're just sinners saved by grace. That's you and me. Reaching the most defiled by its transforming power, making us God's dear child. Amen. It's only by God's grace that we have salvation. Praise the Lord for that. We need to sing that last verse out again and just sing it out to the Lord this morning, all right? Let's sing it together. Verse number three, sing. Wonderful grace of Jesus reaching the most defiled sing it out this morning making him god's dear child 
purchasing peace and heaven. It's forever, amen. Sing it out. And the wonderful grace of Jesus reaches me. Wonderful, the matchless grace of Jesus, deeper than the mighty rolling sea, higher than the mountain, sparkling like a fountain, all sufficient grace for even me, broader than the scope of my transgression. Somebody say amen this morning. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Wonderful singing this morning. Just before the message, we're going to have a special from Miss Madison Stewart this morning.
about the cross. Just seemed like it was her and the Lord right there singing to the Lord at the piano. What a blessing. Boy, where would we be without the Lord Jesus Christ? Amen. Great song this morning. You don't know the Lord as your Savior. Let today be the day of salvation. Amen. What a blessing. What a, what a blessing. <clears throat> i got to be honest with you. I was a little, little nervous about this morning. Uh, you go through these revival meetings like this and, and you kind of wonder if people are going to come in and a little wore out, a little tired. And, and I think probably we are. But then you also wonder if they're going to be a little awake. But you guys were singing out this morning, and that was just a blessing to hear. And hopefully I don't put you to sleep during the preaching, amen. <laughs> but just a blessing. It's just been a great week in the Lord. If God didn't speak to your heart, friend, something's wrong, amen. I <clears throat> was so challenged uh, by the, the preaching and, and just, man, that last message Friday night and just kind of summed it all up as to what God was dealing with me about and then studying for tomorrow or tonight, uh, tonight's message and and it was like the Lord just continued to rake me over the coals. And so just excited about the day uh, today. Well, take your Bibles and turn to the book of Romans. And don't stand just yet. Romans in chapter number 15. <clears throat> We've been preaching through uh, the book of Romans on Sunday morning. We've made it all the way to, to chapter number 15. Now, again, I, I will tell you this, that, that all the way up to chapter number 12 deals primarily with the subject of salvation. And even like the song was sung this morning, if you don't know Christ is your Savior, there's, listen, there's only one way to be saved, and that's by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And God, Paul makes it very clear in his arguments in dealing with those in Rome, the Jews and the Gentiles. Listen, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But praise God, we can be saved, we can... We can confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead and thou shalt be saved. And so what a blessing that is. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But then in chapter number 12, it takes a drastic turn as Paul really begins to focus on the believers and what they are supposed to be in the Lord Jesus Christ. He opens it up by saying that we're to be a living sacrifice unto the Lord. And, and, and we've made it all the way to chapter number 15. And he kind of really begins to, to zone in on some things that, that, that the believers there are supposed to be. Now, let me just make this statement clear. This is not in my notes. But when I begin to say things like the church at Rome, the believers in Rome, the church at Rome, please make sure that you understand that that is not talking about the, the church that's uh, equated with the city of Rome in our day and time. This is not the Catholic church. That didn't come along till later on in, in the 300s in the 4th uh, century. That, that is not based upon the Word of God. So, so let's, let's make sure that we understand that. that these, this was a Bible-believing, and dare I say, Baptist church that Paul is a... Look, got quiet right there. All right? A Baptist church, a Bible-believing, a, a, a local autonomous assembly of baptized believers constituted together. And by the way, they're going to be carrying out the Great Commission. That's what he's going to be dealing with this morning. So 
Just to make sure we're clear on that. All right, some of you are like, all right, I got to go. Well, that's too bad. Amen. This, this is where we stand. Amen. So here's what I would say to you. At the beginning of, of chapter number 15, Paul has kind of laid it out and, and give the believers, the church there in Rome, basically this vision of, of what I would say what church ought to be. You, you know, he's, he's kind of dealing with the, the Jewish believers that are there, and he's trying to help them to, to have an understanding of the Gentile believers and, and to receive them in, to help them. And basically he lays it out. Listen, he, he's the apostle to the Gentiles. It is, it is a fulfillment of Old Testament Scripture that the Gentiles would turn to Jesus Christ and be saved. And so what he's trying to get them to do is to, is to grab a hold of this vision that this is what the church ought to be. That the gospel is for every creature, for Jews or Gentiles. Listen, it is God's plan that every person would be saved. That, that's, that's what they need, need to understand. That's what we need to understand in our day and time. They may not look like you and act like you and talk like you, but the gospel is just as much for them as it is for you. No, no doubt about it. But it's interesting in chapter the second half of chapter 15. And so let's all stand this morning in honor of God's word if you're able to stand. And, and in verses 15 and, and 16, we'll kind of look at this for a moment later on. But if you look at verse number 16, he makes it clear he's, he's the apostle to the Gentiles, that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. All right, so now let's pick up in verse 17. He says, I have therefore whereof I may glory through Jesus Christ in those things which pertain to God, for I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ hath not wrought by me to make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed. Through, through mighty signs and wonders by the, by the power of of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about uh, unto Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Then what? Now watch this. He says, yea, so have I. Now, now what's that word right there, church? Strived. Okay? You just just, just kind of put a, a mental underline of that right there. He says, yea, so I have strived to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation, but as it was written, to whom he was not spoken of, they shall see, and they that have not heard shall understand. For which cause also I have been much hindered from coming to you, but now having no more uh, place in these parts, and having a great desire these many years to come unto you, whensoever I take my journey into Spain. So, so now watch this. So here's what Paul's saying. Paul's saying this. It, will, it is my desire that I would come to you, that I would travel uh, west and go into the city of Rome, but also that I would continue going even into the, into the country of Spain, the region, the region of Spain. And he goes on and says, I will come to you, for I trust to see you in my journey and to be brought on my way thitherward by you, if first I be somewhat filled with your company. 
But now I go into Jerusalem to minister unto the saints, for it hath pleased them of Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. It hath pleased them barely. And, and notice this, he says, and their debtors, debtors, they are. In fact, he says, for if the Gentiles have been made partaker of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister unto them in carnal things. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about faith promise giving. Pretty interesting. He says, verse 28, When therefore I have performed this and have sealed to them this fruit, I, I will come by you unto Spain, into Spain. And I, I am sure that when I come unto you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessings of the gospel of Christ. You realize he says that because he wasn't able to always say that to different churches. He said, but, but, but watch verse 30. He says, now I beseech you, brethren. It's kind of like chapter 12 started out. I beseech you, therefore, brethren. I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit, that ye, you all, or y'all, depending on what part of the country you're from. He says that ye, now watch this, strive together with me in your prayers to God for me that I may be delivered from them that do not believe in Judea and that my service which I have for Jerusalem may be accepted of the saints and that I may come unto you with joy by the will of God and may, be, or may with you be refreshed. Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. So he says, this is what I'm doing. I'm striving. But I want to ask you if you would strive together with me. Remember the first half was this. This is what church ought to be. It ought, listen, we're, we're, not a, we're not a mausoleum for the spiritually dead. We're not a museum for the spiritually arrogant. We're a hospital so that people can come in and get the spiritual help that they need. They can hear the gospel and be saved. You know what Paul's saying? He's saying, this is what church ought to be. But now watch this. But, but, but also, you need to grab a hold of this. this. This is what missions ought to be. It, it's interesting when you think about it that, that here's these, these group of believers at the very center of the Roman Empire. Think about that. In the Roman Empire makes no mistake about it that they had a global vision to conquer and rule the then known world. In fact, we were in the, we were in the city of Rome and we're taking a tour of the Colosseum. And the guy that was doing the tour, he even said this. He said, Rome has a saying that if, if Rome falls, then Italy falls and all of civilization falls with it. That was still their mindset to this day. You know what Paul's saying? Paul's saying this. Guys, listen. You're in the epicenter of, of the empire of the world that has a global vision. Watch this. And God has a global vision for something far greater. And it's not a human kingdom. It's His kingdom. And, and, and it's His gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that all men can hear it and be saved. Listen. This, and, and by the way, this is still the plan of God in our day and time. God still calls men to preach and to take His gospel to the uttermost parts of the world. 
He still desires that every creature would hear the message of the gospel and have a chance to be saved. And it's our responsibility as Faith Baptist Church to get behind them, to send them, to financially support them, to pray for them, to strive together with them. Just exactly like what he said. Father, would you bless the preaching now in Jesus' name. Amen. Won't you be seated this morning? I, look, I, I know that this is a mission-minded church, and I praise God for that. And so let me just issue a disclaimer right off the bat that for, the, for most of the people here, this is not anything new under the sun. But guess what? Just like what church ought to be shouldn't be anything new under the sun. But that doesn't mean we don't need to have reminders on it from time to time. And, and no doubt where we're at is where we're at. And I think that we need to be reminded uh, of these things this morning. During our uh, trip to, to Italy uh, a few weeks ago, I, uh, we, we, uh, we came into uh, the port of Lespezia, which is where the cruise ship that we were on came into. And so we decided to do this, this, this golf cart tour of the city of Florence. We knew that we weren't going to have a lot of time there, and so we just kind of wanted to see the highlights of the city and so we went into the city we got some lunch and came back to our meeting place and we jumped on this golf cart uh with this with this guy he was the one i mentioned in sunday school that i was saying grazie uh the wrong way and and evidently in florence they say it grazia and i was saying grazie and he you just anyway i was like you know and then somebody said yeah it's kind of like people from the south versus people from the midwest they're just a little <laughs> amen so anyways, we're on this golf cart tour. There's this Scottish, young Scottish couple behind us in the golf cart with us, and we're driving around, and we're seeing all of this history in the Medici family and Leonardo da Vinci and some of the input he had on the design of one of these buildings and this church building and stuff, and we're just enamored by all of this. And I'm just like, man, this is incredible. And I'm, you know, I'm full-on tourist taking pictures and you know, and all of this stuff. And then he goes, now listen, God, we're, we're very excited. We, we've had this new discovery of, some, of something here in the city of Florence and just wanted to, you guys to be one of the first ones to see it. And we're like, oh, man, well, this is awesome. Show us. And he pulls around the corner and there's a Starbucks. <laughs> and I'm like, really? I, I hate Starbucks, man. I, amen. That's, that's like overpriced coffee. Amen. I'd rather have a cappuccino. I'm in Italy. I want a real one. Amen. But anyway, we had a good... But this is, this is what I thought about. Here you have what started off as a coffee shop in Seattle, Washington, and it's now in Florence, Italy. Man, they even had McDonald's all through the place. And no, we did not eat at McDonald's. But, but here's what I'm saying to you this morning. If secular businesses can get a global vision for their product, then why in the world can't God's people? Why, why can't we not see this for the gospel, the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is, by the way, the most needed message for all of mankind? Yeah, and I want you to think about this. Did you, did you, did you ever thought about this? That really every good thing that God intends for mankind to, to, to have, it is meant to spread. It's exactly, you know, I thought about, this is exactly why the Lord Jesus would give that parable of the mustard seed and talk about, if you just, listen, if we just take a mustard seed, which is the, the least of, uh, you know, the, the grains of, of seed, he says the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed, which if a man took and sowed in his field, which is indeed the least of all seeds, 
But when it is grown, is the greatest among herbs and becometh a tree so that the birds of the air can come and lodge in the branches of it. What he's saying is this, is that the very smallest thing in the kingdom of God, it is meant to grow. It is meant to spread. I mean, you think about Think about the gospel and, and, and salvation, your salvation. If you've, you've, you've uh, called upon Jesus Christ as your Savior this morning, it's meant to spread. It's not meant to be held in. It's not meant to be something that nobody else needs to know about. No, friend, it's meant to take root in your soul and in your heart and begin to transform you from the inside out and to change every aspect of your life. And it's even meant to go to those around you. Even revival's the same way. We just had a whole week of revival that's not meant to stay within Faith Baptist Church. You you understand revival? Revival is about God's people getting right with God. That's revival. Come on. It's about God's people getting right with God. But you understand the fruit of revival is that when we get right with God and then we go out and be the testimonies and the witnesses that we need to be that other people will get saved and get right with God. That, my friend, is revival. It's meant to spread. It's meant to spread. Listen, I mean, even the first half of chapter number 15 is about the gospel spreading to our neighbors and our community and those around us. And again, it doesn't matter who you are or what you look like, or, well, you know, preacher, I was just born on the other side of the railroad tracks. Well, great, but God can save you. It doesn't matter who you are. I like this one. Churches are meant to spread. You understand that churches, we're, uh, listen, praise God, we're not just meant to, to grow and, 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 and you know, uh, numerically and all that. Listen, we're meant to reproduce ourselves. Churches plant churches. And that's the plan throughout the scriptures. You understand, I could sit here this morning and the list could go on and on and on. But but here's the thing. This was the plan of God from the very beginning. I mean, you could go back to the time when God would call the nation of Israel through Abraham. And that he's got, listen, he's supposed to be the blessing to all the nations. It was meant to spread. But no doubt in the New Testament and in the earthly ministry of Christ, and after the death, and the burial, and the resurrection, that Jesus Christ meets with His disciples in Matthew 28, in verses 18 through 20, and you can turn there if you want to, but many of you know it. It says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Somebody say amen right there. But He goes on and says, Go ye therefore... And teach some nations. Nope, he says all nations. Teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Now, that's a blessing right there. Now, please listen. We, we, many of us know this. This is what we call the Great Commission. It was not, listen, it was not just given to the apostles or it would have died with his apostles. It was given to his church. You understand? Again, the church didn't start on the day of Pentecost. It started with Jesus Christ and his disciples. Jesus said, 
I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against. And he did with his disciples. They were a local visible assembly of baptized believers. That, my friend, is a church. Jesus was their pastor. And here he commissions them to take the gospel message to all nations. Every, listen, that, what, you know what he's saying? He's saying this. Guys, this isn't just for the Jews. This isn't just for Jerusalem. This isn't just an American message. This is for all nations. This is a, this is a global message. And by the way, this, this was given, it was given to his church then. And by the way, it's given to his church now. Even in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8, before he ascends to be with the right hand of the Father, Jesus said this. I mean, he rehearsed it again. He said, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and under the uttermost parts of the earth. And again, it's the same idea. What started in Jerusalem with Christ and His church, it was meant to spread to the uttermost part of the earth. And you know what Paul is saying in our text? As he's writing the believers a row, here's what he's saying. That's the vision I got. That's the vision that I got. That, 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 listen, I, and, I'm trying to, and I'm trying to give it to the believers in Rome that they need to grab a hold of this vision. You're, you're in the epicenter of the Roman Empire that has a global vision to rule and dominate the then known world. Guys, but now you are saved and God has something far greater. It is His kingdom. And, and His message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you need to get this uh, vision as well. And what I'm saying to you this morning is this, Faith Baptist Church, we need to get that vision too. We need to get it too. We need to be reminded this morning that we are a hospital for the spiritually sick. That they can come in. And that they can hear the gospel and be saved. But at the same time, please grab a hold of this. The kingdom of God is much bigger than Faith Baptist Church and Olathe, Kansas. It's much bigger than us. It's much bigger than the, outs, uh, you know, the cities that are around us that we're going into, like Gardner and, and DeSoto and uh, Overland Park and, 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 and Spring Hill. And, uh, listen, it's much bigger than all of that. And so, preacher, man, what? what? Well, here, listen, here's the good news. Though it's bigger than us, that means this. We can have a part in it. And that's what Paul is trying to say to, to these believers in Rome. Listen, this is what missions ought to be. Let me give you, I just, I just have a couple of things this morning. And, and I'm going to give, doesn't mean it's going to be short now. Don't get too excited, all right? So that might be. But here's the first thing that I would say to you that Paul's trying to get across. And, and that's this, is that God calls men to preach. I still believe that. God calls men to preach, but watch this. God calls men to the mission field. God calls them to take the gospel. That, I mean, really, in essence, that, that's, that's what He's doing in our text. If you look there in Romans chapter number 15, and, I, and I, I went back and I read verse 16, but really verses 15 and 16 that we looked at in the previous message, it was basically Paul rehearsing that, that God had called him to be an apostle to the Gentile people. All right, God, God had called him. But beginning in verse number 17, 
he begins to elaborate more on that ministry to the Gentiles. In fact, look at what he says in verses 17 and 18. He says, I have therefore whereof I may glory through Christ in those things which pertain to God, for I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ hath not wrought by me to make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed. And, and so what he's saying here is this, is that he will, as he's writing the believers at Rome, and he's already told them that God has called him to be a missionary, or a, an apostle to the Gentiles, he says this, I, I'm, I'm going to glory in the ministry to this Gentile people, even though I got, I got a lot more that I could glory in. Because, by the way, Paul did win some Jews to the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, you look at when, in the book of Acts, when he went into different cities, he started in synagogues and preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there were some Jews that got saved. But here he is glorying in the Gentiles. And then look at what he says in, in verse, number, uh, verse number 19 and, and 20. And notice these carefully. He says, so he's talking about the Gentiles, and he's talking about glorying in them. And here was his ministry, through mighty signs and wonders by the Spirit of God, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and roundabout unto Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Yea, so I have strived to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation. So what he's saying is, is that he preached the gospel to the Gentiles through the power of the Spirit of God. And he did this from Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem, that's where it all started. And he went as far all the way to Illyricum. Illyricum was a region in southeastern Europe stretching between northern Italy and into Macedonia. We know this. He got the Macedonia call and those kind of things. And then verse number 20, as we read, it reveals his heart. He wanted to preach the gospel where Christ had not been named. That's powerful, isn't it? He wanted to go. And, and even verse number 21 he quotes Isaiah 52, 15, because this was ultimately a fulfillment of Scripture. He says, as it is written, but as it is written, to whom he was not spoken of, they shall see, and they that, hath not, and they that have not heard shall understand. Then in verse, look at verses 22 through 24. For which cause also I have been much hindered from coming unto you. But now having no more place in these parts, and having a great desire these many years to come unto you, Whenever I take my journey into Spain, I will come to you, for I trust to see you in my journey and to be brought on my way thitherward by you, if first I be somewhat filled with your company. So Paul reveal, Paul's here is revealing his plans to them. And you've got to remember, from the very beginning of the book of Rome, Paul said this, I want to preach the gospel in Rome. I desire. Listen, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God and the salvation to the Jew first and to the Greek. And so he was ready, and he wanted, and now he's saying this, but he says this, but he had been hindered. And so his plans were to come to Rome as he went on to Spain, again, taking the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, look, look down at verse number 25, and let me give you a little side note here. He says this, he says, but now I go into Jerusalem to minister to the saints. So Paul says to them here, he says he's going to go to Jerusalem to, give her, to, to deliver the gift collected for the saints there. It is in Jerusalem that, where he would be apprehended uh, by the Romans because the Jews sought to kill him. This is all in the book of Acts. Everybody with me? 
So, so you understand? And, and so here's the thing. Now watch this. Paul would eventually go to Rome, but it would not be the way he planned. It's a reminder that we may have our plans, but God also has His plans. And sometimes those things are two very different things. But I would say to you this, the best thing you could ever do is surrender to God's plan. I know, I know for me, man, when God called me to preach, I went, all right. And I'm, okay, I'll do it as long as I don't have to do a funeral. Do you know the first thing I, place I preached that was a funeral? <laughs> Baptism by fire. I don't know why. Now I'm to the point now in ministry where I'd rather preach a funeral than a wedding because nobody's around to complain about it afterwards. Amen. <laughs> but I can remember being in Bible college. And I can remember going, okay, you know, and everybody's got, you know, they're going to do this and they're going to. And I'm thinking, I don't want a pastor. I don't want to have to deal with people. I want to go into evangelism. And listen, and I had it all worked out. And then God started dealing with me and said, listen, and, and, and working in my life. And the next thing you know, I'm pastoring. And now I'm in Kansas. When, and, and I listen, but here's what I'm trying to get across to you. I, I wouldn't trade anything for it now. God's plan, listen, he had his plan. I had my plan. And the greatest thing I could have ever done is to surrender what God had for me. Amen. It's the same with you. But this is what I want you to grab a hold of. The overall point is this is that the example of Paul shows us that God calls men both to preach and to take the message of the gospel, even sometimes where it has not been, and to a people that have not heard. Did you ever think about this? This is what I thought about. In Romans chapter 10, when Paul is giving the gospel, and for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, giving that great passage on how to appropriate or put the gospel into your life. In Romans 10 and verse 14, he asks this series of, of rhetorical questions. He says, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Do you know this? Paul was the answer to his own questions. But, but see, this, this is why, but, but see, now watch this. This is why this is so important for us to see this. Now, please, let me, let me ask you to pay attention here just for a moment engage your minds because this ultimately answers, all right? This ultimately answers how you and I, how we can fulfill the commandment that Jesus gave to take the message of the gospel to all nations, How can, I, how can I do that when God's called me to Olathe, Kansas? How can you do that when God's called you to Olathe, Kansas and Faith Baptist Church and, and whatever city or surrounding area you're living in? God's called you to witness to those areas. So how is it that I could go, I can have the gospel go to Australia or, or to Ecuador or to Japan? How, how can I do that? Well, here's how God calls men. God calls them to preach, and God calls them to the mission field. And the best thing that we can do is get behind them and send them out and pray for them. Come on, this should be very refreshing to a church that's sending out a, a, a missionary to Japan. I, I remember when, when uh, Brother Jack was, you know, our youth director, and, and uh, man, I had, I had, Japan was not even on the radar. 
And I can remember sitting in my bunk at Sagmont Baptist Youth Camp, and I'm trying to take a nap. Because when you sleep in there with all those snoring boys and guys and staff members, no, not mentioning any names, but their initials are Tim Quinlan. <laughs> you, you know, you need to catch up on your rest. And I'm sitting there, and, and Brother Jack comes over to me and goes, Hey, preacher, can I talk with you for a minute? And I'm like, All right. And he goes, So, you know, I've just kind of been praying about Japan. And I'm like, What, you just want sushi, or what's your... Uh, you know, I, you know, and I'm just not sure what the Lord. And I said, okay. And I said, well, you know, brother, you're young, and you got, you know, you got time. You could pastor here. You could get some experience, and you, you know, and things like that. And I don't. And in in my mind, th- this is what I. This is this is how I think. I you're not leaving yet. I'm because I not not because you know. Because I don't want to have to find another youth director. <laughs> but I didn't listen. I didn't. Here's the thing. I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything to discourage him, but at the same time, I didn't say anything to encourage him. And I'm glad that I did that because I don't want him to be man called. I want him to be God called. And so I can, you know, I can remember God. And I said, "Well, listen, but I will. Well, let's just pray and let's make it a matter of prayer. And as God leads, you just, you know, keep me informed and all those things." And finally, he comes into my office after. Uh, a few months had went by, and I, I had forgotten about it because I was like, I don't want to look for another youth director. And he comes into my office, and he goes, Preacher, can I talk with you? And I said, Yeah, brother, what's going on? And he goes, Well, it's about that Japan thing. And I'm like, oh, All right, here we go. And he goes, You know, I just, you know, God's still been speaking to us and, and things like that, and we're just, you know, and he's him. This is what guys do when they come to my office. They beat around the bush. And so I'm not, get to the point. And so this is what I said. Is God calling you to Japan or not? Yes, sir. Then say it. God's calling us to the mission field of Japan. All right, there we go. Now I've got to find another youth director. But I love, I love that, that he, you know, what, what I'm trying to get across to you is this. God still works. God still calls men to preach. God still calls men to the mission field. Do you understand what I'm saying? And by the way, here's something else to note. That when Paul went from Jerusalem, and, and really he went from the church at Antioch, and then went from the church at Antioch and, and into Pamphylia and the island of Cyprus and, and Galatia and that region, and then eventually he'd go back and report, and then they would leave again, and this time it would be him and Silas, and they would go to Troas, and they would get the Macedonian call, and they'd go across the Aegean Sea and into the city of Philippi, and in that region, and, and then Thessalonica, and then down into Achaia and Corinth, and all of these places. Please listen to this: that when Paul crossed all of those different regions and cities and cultures, the message of the gospel never changed. It never changed. He didn't go to the region of Galatia and go, okay, for you guys it's going to be baptism to be saved. And then to Achaia, okay, it's going to be good works and you be saved. He didn't do, no, no, no. He always preached by grace through faith in the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is how a man is saved. And when the gospel goes from Faith Baptist Church to Japan, guess what Jack's going to preach? By grace through through faith in the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. It's nothing different. Right. 
It's nothing different. But Paul's saying, listen, Paul's rehearsing all this and going, guys, you've got to understand this, that God calls men. You're there in the city of Rome. And the, city of, the, the, the empire of Rome has this global vision, but God does too. And God works in the hearts and lives of men to call men to preach and to take the gospel where it has not been named. And this is interesting, is that he switches gears. In, 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 verse, number, in verse number 25, and, and he says this, But now I go unto Jerusalem to, to, to minister unto the saints. And he begins to go down through here. But what he's going to say here is this, is that just as God calls men to preach and to take the gospel to the regions beyond, God calls His his churches. Well, if I could say it like this, what he's going to say there in verse number, verse number 27, where he says, It hath pleased them verily, and their debtors they are. Well, God calls His churches to fulfill our debt by getting behind them and helping them. You know, I mentioned a moment ago in Romans chapter 10 where Paul gave a series of rhetorical questions in verse 14. He said, how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And Paul was the answer to his own question. Now watch this. In verse number 15, he says this. And how shall they preach except they be sent? They're to be sent by the Lord's churches. Well, Well, how do you know that? Well, because that's how Paul was sent. And you go back to Acts chapter 13 and where him and Barnabas are serving there in the church at Antioch. Well, that's when the Holy Ghost shows up and says, Separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. And guess what the church in Antioch did? They laid hands on them and prayed and sent them out with with scriptural authority to go and preach the gospel and to plant uh, other churches. But, But then here's the thing. They're also to be financially supported. And, and this is where the churches in Achaia in Macedonia give us that example in our text. Look, look at what it says in verse 25 again. He says, but now I go unto Jerusalem to minister unto the saints. And he goes down and he says this, For it hath pleased them of Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. It hath pleased them verily, for their debtors they are. And if, for if the Gentiles have been made partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister unto them in carnal things. As already mentioned, Paul was planning to go on this trip back to Jerusalem. But, but here's why. Paul begins to rehearse right here. It's because the saints in Jerusalem were going through a famine at the time. And so the churches in Macedonia and Achaia got together and took up a collection. And so the saints in, in Macedonia... Listen, you, you go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. The saints in Macedonia were a tremendous testimony of sacrificing, even though they were poor, they were suffering persecution. But here's what Paul said, they gave of themselves first. I said, listen, we're debtors. They got the message. We're debtors. In verse 27, he points out why. It's because they realized they were debtors to spiritual things. Think about this. Had it not been for the church at Jerusalem, there would be no church at Philippi. 
There'd be no church at Thessalonica. There'd be no church at Corinth. Anybody get this? And because of this spiritual debt, the least that they could do was to minister to them in carnal things, meaning this, to give, to help, to aid. Why? So that the gospel could continue going forward. The point is to say this, as they were debtors to the gospel, we are debtors to the gospel. We are debtors to the church at Jerusalem. We are debtors to the ministry of the Apostle Paul that would eventually see the gospel go to Europe. Guess where we came from? Europe. And maybe some other places where the gospel went. We're debtors to that. Listen, listen to this. Especially after going through the trail of blood in Sunday school, we're debtors to those down through the ages who stood for the gospel of Jesus Christ. You, you understand? It's you. You, you may think it's you, you, it's crazy. People get offended about the dumbest things, like money. Stop it. The least that we could do, I said, the least that we could do, is to give and to pray so that the gospel of Jesus Christ that we've received can go to people that haven't, have never even heard the message of the gospel and know who Jesus Christ and His name is. L- listen, you, you understand, we're indebted to this. We're indebted to this. Go, go with me. You can leave, you can leave uh, Romans in chapter 15 and go with me to uh, the book of Philippians. And let me, let, me give you, let me give you an example of one of the churches uh, in Macedonia. Because Paul writes the church at Philippi. And this, this is what he says about them in regards to his ministry. Look at Philippians chapter 10. Or I'm sorry, Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. He says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked, or you, you wanted an opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Now it's amazing how popular that verse is when it comes to our own carnality. But in its context, it's talking about missions. That's what he's talking about. And notice what he says in verse 14. Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only, for in Thessalonica ye sent once and again, under my necessity. You know what he's saying to that church? He's saying to that church that you gave financially to my ministry because you caught the message that you were a debtor. Amen. Amen. And guess what? That example is for me and you. That's right. Do you realize, listen, do you realize it takes money for things like missions? No, I, no, 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 no. I, well, you know, praise our God can do. Yeah, but he uses you and me. That's what He's called us to do in our work. And it takes money. It takes money to buy tracks. It takes money. It takes money to put food on the table for your family when you move into a country that won't even give you a work visa to get a job. 
It takes money to rent a place to meet. It takes money to buy Bibles so that people can have it that have never even heard the name of Jesus, don't even know what a Bible is. It takes money to do a multitude of things. That's the reality of the matter. Just like it takes money here. It takes money to keep the lights on. be pretty cool, wouldn't it, to be all meeting in the dark? I, I kind of like light. I mean, you may not like to see my face, but I do like to see yours. Well, it's just a reality. It's a tool for the ministry. And the, and the church at Philippi understood. No, no, I, I know we, we get it and we, we understand. But I'm just saying we need to be reminded of it again. It does. It, listen, and we're debtors to financially give. But then go back to, go back to uh, Romans chapter 15 again because this is the other thing. And hold your place there in Philippians. Because in Romans 15, he says this. So after rehearsing all of these plans, and, and, and he's going to Jerusalem, he's going to give this gift, and then he's going to come to them by Spain. Then in verse 30, he says this. Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake, and for the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in your prayers for God, to God for me. You know what, he, what he's saying here is this. Well, we're indebted to pray for them. See, after giving the example of the saints in Macedonia and Achaia, Paul now turns to the believers in Rome and begs them to pray for him as well because I'm telling you, this, this is the idea. He's saying, listen, fellas, listen, guys, it's one step at a time. Watch this. You're seeing the example of the churches in Macedonia and Achaia. They're going beyond praying, and they're putting their money where their mouth is because they realize they're debtors. But here's how it starts with you. Won't you strive together with me and pray for me? Amen. Did you catch that? And I would say to you this, that most missionaries will tell you this. If, if there's anything that you can do for me, it's pray for me. Amen. Because they understand that the work of God has to be done by the power of God. And the only way to have the power of God is to pray to God. Amen. You're still there in Philippians? You hold your place? Go with me and I want you to see what happens. The Philippians chapter 4. Because this is what happens when we catch the vision and we do what God tells us to do. Look at verse number 17. It says in, in chapter 4, Not because I desire a gift, <laughs> but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. You know what he's saying? He's saying this, because you've gotten behind me financially, because you're a part of my ministry, guess what? Anybody that, that is one to Jesus Christ, that is saved, that's part of fruit for you too. Amen. Guess what? When people get saved in Ecuador, and, and our missionary that's in Ecuador, guess, guess what? That's fruit that's added to our account too. Amen. When, when people get saved over in Japan, when we send the Parkers over there and they start preaching the God, guess what? We're going to be rejoicing right here too. Because that's fruit that's added to our... And then we're going to get to heaven, and we're going to go, hey, good... We've been, we were praying for you, and you got saved. If that, son, if that don't do something for you, you got problems. That is incredible to think about eternity. And to get, that's the fruit. But then here's the other thing. Notice what he says. Now you've got to keep on reading here. And these are well-known verses, but you've got to see them in their context. He says in verse 18, But I have all, and am abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus, the things which were sent from you, an odor, a sweet uh, smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. And so in return, he says, 
But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You know what he's saying? He's saying this. God blesses a church that gets a vision from the Word of God that the Gospels go to go to every creature. And God has His hand on that church. And God takes care of them. And God blesses them. I mean, He gives them a new fellowship hall. It may be through a flood, but He gives them a new fellowship hall. Now all I'm doing is asking for a hailstorm on the parking lot. No, God, you know what? God meets our needs. God, listen, God bless us because here's the thing. When we understand it's supposed to go all over the place, we understand it's supposed to go right here too. And we're sending buses out and we're going out door knocking and we're going out canvassing and we're inviting people. to. And here's what happens. People get saved. Families get added. Come on, Faith Baptist Church. You can't sit here and tell me. I'm telling you, God's had His hand on us. And there's a reason why. So again, I, I know, look, I know. Preacher, we know these things. Yeah, good. Because you're going to hear them a lot. Amen. And I understand that. But we need to be reminded of them. That's right. And we need to be praying that God will continue to dip down into Faith Baptist Church and call men to preach. Amen. And call people to the mission field and send them out. We need to be praying about God, God, God allowing us to reproduce ourselves and plant another church. Wouldn't it be awesome to give birth? And all the women were like, no, that's not. No, no. Well, hopefully the Lord will give us an epidural. Amen. That's what it's all about. But it starts with us sitting, it starts with us stepping back and going, hey, this, this ministry, this gospel, it's bigger than me. Because if all we do is look inwardly, we're missing it. And that's what Paul's leaving with the believers in Rome. Let me challenge you this morning. Look beyond yourself. There are people around you that need to hear the gospel and to be saved. Did you know this? There are people, there are people living in Kansas and Missouri that have never heard the clear presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you can witness to them. But you're going to have to grab a hold of that this morning. Let's all stand.